Hi everyone, this is Criterion Channel Surfing, and I'm your host, Josh Hornbeck. This was originally intended to be a March episode and was recorded at the beginning of the month when the COVID-19 outbreak was still just beginning and we were all just starting to realize how much the world was about to change for all of us. In the time since, things have really changed for everyone. Ramped up work schedules and a month and a half of crisis communications haven't allowed much time or bandwidth for podcast editing. Like the last few episodes, the episode you're about to hear is lightly edited. It won't be quite as polished or refined as I'd prefer. You'll hear all of our ums and uhs, the stammers and pauses that I painstakingly remove in the best of circumstances. I really appreciate all of the kind words that I've been getting from you all since I've been releasing these episodes. Uh, I asked my guest, Matt Gasteyer, if there were any charities or organizations that he'd recommend listeners support during the current crisis. Matt wants to encourage listeners to support their local art house theaters while the, their doors are closed. And he also recommends supporting Doctors Without Borders and Partners in Health. I'd also like to encourage listeners to support the Art House America campaign that's started by Criterion and Janus Films, which helps support independent and art house theaters across the country. We're going to have links to everything in our show notes. If you do have resources to give to others during this crisis, I really want to encourage you to support those who have been hurt by this virus that's already done so much damage around the world. Thanks for listening. And now, here's the show. You're listening to Criterion Channel Surfing, a podcast dedicated to the films of the Criterion Collection's streaming video service, the Criterion Channel. I'm your host, Josh Hornbeck. In these follow-up episodes, my guests and I offer a few recommendations for films that fit our theme and are available on other streaming services. Matt Gastire of The Complete Podcast joins me to continue our conversation about Japanese cinema. Stay with us. If you enjoy Criterion Channel Surfing, check out Criterion Reflections, hosted by David Blakesley. Join David and his guests on their chronological journey through the films of the Criterion Collection. Each episode provides an in-depth discussion into the cultural context for the films discussed and covers Criterion releases on DVD, Blu-ray, Laserdisc, and the Criterion Channel. Find out more at CriterionCast.com. Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com. My guest today is Matt Gasteyer of The Complete Podcast, now reaching the end of its third season, exploring the films of Krzysztof Kozlowski. Of course, regular listeners of the Criterion Channel Surfing Podcast will recognize him from our regular segments providing tips and tricks for navigating the Criterion Channel. Matt, thank you so much for coming back on and doing this little follow-up as we discuss other films by Japanese filmmakers. Thank you for having me back. I love talking Japanese filmmakers. 
Well, for these follow-up episodes, we talk about a few films on other streaming services that fit the month's theme. Since Matt and I talked about the films of Kisuke Kenoshita that are currently streaming on the Criterion channel, and since most of Kenoshita's films are there, we thought we'd spend a little bit of time talking about films by other Japanese filmmakers that are on other streaming services. So... Before we dig into some films by other uh, filmmakers, Matt, I'm just curious, what other streaming services do you use? Too many. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Netflix, Amazon. Yeah. I use uh, Ovid, which I highly recommend people support. Um, and I signed up for after the, uh, the wonderful interview that you had with uh, the head of Ovid. I use Mubi on Amazon, Canopy, Hoopla, Hulu. <laughs> I use them all, I think. I use all of them. <laughs> there there are so many services, it gets a little overwhelming, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I forget where everything is. Well, that's what Letterboxd is for, right? Exactly. Well, Matt, what's your first film? What uh, would you like to recommend people check out first? So my first film actually has a bit of a tie-in to um, one of the Kenoshita films that I recommended because the main character is loosely, very loosely based on Setsuko Hara and it's Millennium Actress, which is from 2002. It's an animated film by Satoshi Kon, one of the great anime filmmakers of our lifetimes mm. who passed away after only making four features and a tv series this movie is my favorite of his films and it's streaming on amazon prime which is a true blessing after it had been largely unavailable in the u.s it's now available both on streaming and on a beautiful blu-ray uh, that came out last year this is a movie about a guy who wants to interview the most famous movie actress of uh, history uh, in Japan. And she is a recluse who gave up her career in uh, filmmaking and never looked back and has not given any interviews. And it, he gets an interview with her and the movie is generally speaking about the story of her life and uh, her process of making movies but the film is really about like all con films the blurred line between reality and fiction and it's also a love letter to the history of japanese filmmaking they cover mm -hmm. all of the major genres of uh, japanese film and the history of japan and her life uh, woven into those things and it's a beautiful evocation of the drive to make art and to live a life of art and the sacrifices and wonderful experiences that you get along the way because of that mm -hmm. yeah this is one that i believe i saw years ago and it's one I definitely need to see again. I've seen enough Kurosawa now. I've seen enough of the Ozu films that I think it's time to uh, revisit it. And I think it's uh, I think I'll get more out of it now that I've experienced more Japanese cinema. Yeah, I had fallen in love with Setsuko Hara before watching this for the first time, and it definitely helped my appreciation of the of the film. 
Yeah, yeah, this looks uh, gorgeous. What other uh, Satoshi, have you seen the other Satoshi Khan films and uh, would you recommend them all? Oh yeah, absolutely. He's a spectacular filmmaker. I think this movie is a great entry point, but it's also a lot less um, kind of troubling than some of his other work. Perfect Blue Mm. is a great film, but it's not necessarily one I'd recommend to everybody. So I would recommend if you're more sensitive uh, to particular, um, especially in particular, so sexual violence, um, uh, Perfect Blue and Paprika probably would be movies that I would read about before watching. But Tokyo Godfathers is incredibly charming uh, and Mm. and Mm -hmm. and worth seeing as well. So uh, he's a, a wonderful. Uh, filmmaker that it was a, a great tragedy that we lost him yeah yeah well the first film that i am uh, going to talk about today is uh, called oh lucy by atsuko hiryangi it's from 2018 and it is currently streaming on hulu it is the story of a, a chain smoking office worker uh, named setsuko who decides to or who is pressured by her niece to take over the english language or the english classes that the niece had paid for but is not able to get a refund on and so she wanders into the class one day and is greeted by a dopey beaming josh hartnett who hands setsuko a blonde wig gives her a hug and gives her the name Lucy and Setsuko who has been who who you can see is carrying a lot of resentment in her life she's unmarried she's laughed at by her co-workers we get the sense that her sister has married the uh, an old boyfriend you just you you see that Setsuko is is deeply unhappy in her life and uh, she for the first time finds some bit of connection with this american english teacher and when the american english teacher disappears with her niece and heads to america uh, Setsuko decides to follow him and to try to find him and try to make that connection again. The film opens with a suicide on a train platform. And so there's that specter hanging over everything, this specter of kind of sadness. Uh, The film could really easily descend into kind of that uh, twee uh, kind of affectedness that you can get in these types of dramatic comedies but uh, I found this to be really moving and because uh, Setsuko is such a hardened character and such a selfish character at times who who is constantly keeping people at arm's length at the same time that she's really deeply yearning for connection uh, I found it surprisingly moving and uh, I think that um, Atsuko Hiryangi is a filmmaker that uh, I'm really eager to see what she does next. I think that uh, she has a really intriguing sense of uh, kind of visual composition and the ways in which she captures both Tokyo and Los Angeles are really compelling and captures the cultural differences as well as the, um, just the visual iconography, um, 
is really intriguing and uh the ways in which she also we see the the Josh Hartnett uh English teacher as this the source of connection at first and then when we see him again in America we see him as he is as this dropout slacker and uh it's a really it's it's charming it's dark it's uh it's an intriguing little family drama that uh i found uh more more moving than i expected to by the end and uh it's one that uh, uh i really enjoyed when you said a josh hartnett i thought you meant like a person like a josh hartnett but you really meant josh hartnett I, is I, in this yeah, movie he is in this movie yeah yeah <laughs> He's uh he's really he's really delightful in this film and uh uh it's lovely to see uh this former teenage heartthrob playing such a slime ball. You know? <laughs> and uh it's 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 always nice when you see those actors who are uh really doing the work. So Yeah. 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 I I enjoyed this. Um uh this is one I watched this week and was really surprised by. Oh, I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, what's your second film? Um, my second film is Happy Hour from 2015 by uh, Ray- Ryusuke Hamaguchi. Um, this is a mammoth epic five-hour mm. film split into three parts on Amazon uh, Prime, which it uh, recently left, but it is still available if you have uh, Mubi. This is a film that I think links up a lot with the Narose work that is on the channel, but it's still a very modern uh, film. It was shot on digital, and I wish it looked a little bit better, but the compositions are wonderful, and the characters are so full of life in such a specific and realistic fashion. And when you put in the work on this movie it really unfolds beautifully and you start to live with these characters and their relationships and their psychology it's really a a a marvelous film it's about four Mm. women who are friends two of them were have been friends for a long time and uh, one of them sort of brings new friends into the loop because she thinks they'll all get along sort of sex in the city style but the movie isn't necessarily um (laughs) like sex in the city uh one of them is um seeking a divorce and this kind of throws the whole dynamic of their friendship in off kilter and it ends up kind of spreading into their own uh, relationships and lives and it becomes something else entirely by the end of uh of the five five hours Mm -hmm. and it's about all of those things but it's also just more generally about the life of these women in japan in 2015 and in that way you know it did remind me very much of of naruse's work from the 1950s in particular and it's a it's a very rewarding watch and one that that you know i i highly recommend oh that sounds really really intriguing uh i'm a sucker for long movies and (laughs) uh that you just when the second you said five hours matt you had me hooked why why did you have to do that no that i mean that just sounds lovely because i think that 
with duration and these types of kind of intimate dramas that take place over a long time, I think that's the beauty, right? You get to see how or how how, how much or how little people shift and how little they change yeah. or how much they change. And, and by spending that much time with someone, there's just this, this intimacy that you feel, right, um, with it. And uh, this sounds lovely. I, I might have to subscribe to movie just for this <laughs> film. So, um, yeah, that sounds really lovely. There's a lot um, of there's a lot of uh, I think maybe Romare in it as well, or or mm. maybe by, by Romare by association of of Hong Sang Soo. There's long stretches mm. of conversations mm-hmm. with people, and there's a lot going on under, underneath the surface. But they're also very thought provoking and interesting conversations. Um, yeah. So about about themselves but also about other things about other types of people and art and their pasts and Mm. um it's 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 a movie that that i watched most of while i was um sick in bed and Mm. it was uh a little bit like a hot cup of tea Mm. oh that sounds that's like the perfect type of movie to watch while you're (laughs) sick in bed (laughs) that's great uh my last film to talk about is called The Day the Sun Fell. It's directed by Aya Domenig uh, from 2015, and it is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Aya Domenig is a Japanese-Swiss filmmaker, and uh, so I'm a little I'm stretching the, the, the definition of Japanese cinema a little bit here, but I felt like this fits so well with some of the conversations we're, we're having over the course of these three episodes. Domenig's uh, grandfather worked at, uh, as a doctor in uh, Hiroshima, uh, after the bombing and uh, this documentary is about her trying to uh, understand her grandfather and learn more about him and uh, learn more about uh, the what he went through in treating patients who uh, were exposed to the radiation of the nuclear bomb and um so uh, her grandfather had passed away by the time she made this film. And so she's interviewing her grandmother, and uh, uh, who was a nurse, um, but uh, didn't uh, want to talk about these things. Uh, and so she uh, doesn't, doesn't say much uh, about these, this. And uh, in the course of interviewing other nurses who worked with uh, her grandfather and interviewing another doctor uh, who had who who gives lectures around Japan about the dangers of uh, the nuclear bomb and of uh, radiation. In the course of doing this, uh, the Fukushima disaster happens, and mm. so she begins to uh, meet with sur- some survivors of the Fukushima disaster as well. And uh, the survivors of Hiroshima discuss the, the similarities in the government's response, the fact that children are being sent back to school in Fukushima so soon after the disaster and being told that, well, if you get thyroid cancer, we know how to treat it now, so it'll be, you'll be fine. There is a, a, a casualness to the way that's being portrayed. Um, there's an anger in these people who lived through one of the worst disasters to befall their country. And uh, it's uh, it's a really, really powerful, uh, powerful film. I think that Dominic uses archival footage incredibly well. 
And uh, it's really intriguing to see the way that is paired with these interviews and with these um, conversations with people. And over the course of the film, her grandmother begins to make connections between the bombing and uh, the grandfather's death. He died decades after the bombing, but uh, he died of some... Uh, organ failure and the fact that he developed some of these symptoms so quickly the the grandmother begins to question that maybe he was exposed to radiation poisoning by going into Hiroshima after the blast and so it's just it's this it's this really tender portrait of a family that was affected by this disaster a tender portrait of how these bombings are continuing to impact Japan to this day uh, that this uh, this has left a deep scar on the nation, and people are trying to forget about it, but they're they're start there are still people that are trying to carry forward this memory so that they don't. It's uh it's a really really powerful documentary, and you know we're recording this at the beginning of March as we're in the middle of all of the stuff going on with the coronavirus covering the world and some of the discussions that we're having in the government and. Uh, it honestly reminded me quite a bit of uh, mm. uh, some of the some of the discussions that are ha- that were happening in this documentary uh, in uh, 2015. Reminded me of some of the discussions that uh, we hear government officials having now, and uh, it's a uh, it's a really fascinating, uh, really horrifying uh, film, but uh, I think really powerful too. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna watch that. That that sounds fascinating, and yeah. terrifyingly relevant yeah 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 um so uh you know again i like to bring things down this is where i am right now (laughs) at this uh, point (laughs) but if you are looking for more films uh from uh japanese filmmakers that's four titles to catch on other streaming services millennium actress by satoshi khan on amazon prime oh lucy by atsuko hiriyange on hulu Happy Hour by Ryusuke Hamaguchi on on Mubi, and The Day the Sun Fell by Aya Dominic on Amazon Prime. Matt, uh, this was an absolute pleasure. I'm really glad to have you on for a full episode, and we aren't just talking about troubleshooting the Criterion <laughs> channel. So uh, where are you right now with the complete podcast? We released our Three Colors Blue episode uh, for Krzysztof Kieślowski uh, a couple weeks ago, and... We have three colors white and three colors red, and we will be wrapping up the season. So um, it's been a wonderful experience, and um, we're excited to uh, wrap it up and come to a close with these three last uh, masterpieces of his. Awesome. Where can people find you? I'm Matthew E.G. on Letterboxd, and uh, my show, The Complete Podcast, can be found on Twitter at The Complete Pod. Awesome. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you. You can find Criterion Channel Surfing at CriterionCast.com and our website, CinemaCocktail.com. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching for Criterion Channel Surfing. If you'd like to continue the conversation, join us in the Criterion Channel Club Facebook group or send us a message at criterionchannelsurfing at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Josh Hornbeck. 
Our logo was designed by Doug the Cambridge of the Good Times Great Movies podcast. You can see more of his design work at dpmdesigns.com. Criterion Channel Surfing is a proud member of Criterion Cast, a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com and support the work of CriterionCast at Patreon.com slash CriterionCast. Criterion Channel Surfing is listener-supported, so please consider donating to the show at Patreon.com slash Josh Hornbeck. For just $5 a month, you get early access to all regular and bonus episodes of the show. And for $10 a month, you'll have the chance to give my guest and I a film to discuss in a special Patreon-only bonus episode. I'd like to continue to thank all of our current Patreon supporters. I really do appreciate all of your continuing support. On the next episode of Criterion Channel Surfing, my guest and I will be sitting down to discuss April's new and expiring titles. I hope you'll join us. Thanks for listening. Criterion Cast a podcast network and website for fans of quality theatrical and home video releases. Find out more at CriterionCast.com.